Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome to an adventure in history. We are working our way well into May. Had a busy weekend, and headed into... You had a sick little one. I did. You missed last week. And it I killed, know. It killed you. Oh, it did. Oh, my gosh. That's true. <laughs> this is the first time, even through COVID, Mac, we've made it through COVID, and I missed, I missed an episode. No, you missed one before. Right, but I had a replacement. See, that's what always makes me laugh. Right. That, that either you're afraid, like, I'll replace you with somebody else. Yes. Or you're afraid that I'm such a moron I can't handle so, so yes. chatting with somebody for, for 28 minutes. I mean, I still feel like either way I'm setting you up for success, right? That's, well, that's true. <laughs> I surround you by other strong women. That's always a good thing. Last week it was <laughs> Trudy Citravec. Um, and how'd you do? How did it? How did it go? Was just the two of you? Well, one of us did terrible. The other did great. Oh, I love Trudy. Of course, so she did. She did great. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 there, we had some technical issues, and people couldn't hear me. Oh well, again. I was, well, well, I was so. there, but I was very. You, people were asking, like, did you, like, put the mic on and then sit five feet away from it? That's what it sounded <laughs> oh, like no. to people. Okay, so, but she was great. Good. In fact, we should bring her back. Well, that sounds great. Because I, mean, I, I suspect that, that there were many questions that you would have asked that I did not. And I suspect that there were there were many topics that we did not get to because 28 minutes goes really fast. It does. And I adore her. She's got a great young family, too. So uh, so let's do it. We'll bring her back. Okay. Um, so we got things to plug. We do. We Yes, it's National Healthcare Week. National healthcare. So does that mean we should all go to our healthcare? We should all say thank you to our healthcare, or we should all be healthy and stay away uh, because we're all healthy. Well, yes, sort of. Don't avoid going to your healthcare professional. Stay on top of your healthcare, of course. But if you know somebody who works in healthcare, works in a hospital, um, tell them thank you. Thank you for what they're doing. They're they work hard. It's a twenty four seven job. So right? define healthcare because I was about to say, hey, I know somebody. Thank you, Alana. <laughs> yes. And you, you work there, but would you consider yourself in healthcare? Oh, of course. Okay, because yes. I, th- I, I think a lot of people might think, well, that's only like the 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 medical doctors, nurses, Correct. practitioners, things like that, not the administration, shall right. we say. I, would, I definitely give myself a caveat and tell people I am not a doctor <laughs> or a nurse. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I do. I work in healthcare and I love it. Um, okay. It's great. Um, I love the work that I get to do for our community and... Um, you're welcome, Mac. I would accept that. So I will say thank you. <laughs> yes, it works well. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we got Mother's Day teen scones at the Flavel House this Saturday, 13th. Oh, I love from that. one to four. So you gotta, all... You should call and make reservations because yes. I think it might be packed this year. Oh, okay. Do you have multiple seatings? What is... Or how's that... I just... Well, it's the dining room, so it's okay. not, not huge. We can seat about 22, 23 people and we're, we're kind of assuming we're taking reservations on the half hour. Okay. But some people kind of loiter longer and others are in and out fairly fast. And just to note to everyone, my husband took four children right. last Christmas, ages two to eight. To tea and plum pudding. Yes. And the kids did great. We were a little yes. worried about the two-year-old, <laughs> but she did fine, right? So in her surroundings, because it was quiet, she didn't you mm-hmm. know, disrupt anyone. Um, 
and they enjoyed it. They and all the kids loved the tea. The, the tea was more popular than the plum pudding. And it's a special blend made just for the Flavel House. See, I love that. So yep. maybe you maybe can, you, you might can, see me there this time. You can time. buy it from us, but you can't go to like some other store and buy it there. <gasps> oh. Only served from us and only sold from us. Okay. A special blend made just for us. I love that. Okay. Yep. It's it's fantastic. And we're going to talk Mother's Day next week too. Oh, because we'll be we'll be live on on Mother's on Day. On Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, we're... that's sad that you have to do that. Oh no, I love it. I love okay. being mom. All right. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not sad that you're being a mom. <laughs> but I have to work. Mac, I'm a mom. Oh my so I work all the time. <laughs> I like that. I, I possibly thought you were. It was sad that you were a mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, let's get to the history highlights because yes. we got some fun stuff today. Okay. Uh, so these are things that happen tomorrow, May 8th. 1541. Ooh. Spanish conquistador Hernando de, de, Soto, de Soto reaches the Mississippi. Okay. And I like that uh, my source for this, I, I get these from a couple of different places, did not say discovered the Mississippi. <laughs> Reached. Because I yes. kind of think there were a whole bunch of indigenous peoples that kind of knew the Mississippi existed. Right. So I like that he reaches the that, Mississippi. Yep. Uh, 1787, the first U.S. prison reform society is formed. It's called the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. Well, that's two sides of a business card. Right. Uh, it's led by Dr. Benjamin Rush that a lot of people probably know from history. Uh, 1792. British Captain George Vancouver mm. sights and names Mount Rainier, Washington. Ooh, I like that one. So, so that's kind of local. We might, we might talk about him yeah. some more. I want to learn a little bit more. Yeah. 1877. Oh, I wasn't going to give you the date. I was going to oh. I was going to do a quiz on you. 1877, the first Westminster Dog Show is held. Oh, fun. And we had a whole show. We did with, have with a... the voice of the Westminster Dog yep. Show. You can go back and find that on our podcast. But uh, not since 1877. Yes. He started a little bit after that, <laughs> he I did, think. He did, yes. So, 1870, I was kind of surprised when I saw that how early that was. It, it is quite early. I I actually would have been shocked at like 1930 something. Right. That just seems was very organized enough for yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1884, Harry S. Truman is born. Harry S. Yep, you like that one. Uh, 1886, Jacob's Pharmacy in Atlanta sells the first Coca-Cola. Oh. I'm glad Trudy wasn't a guest this week. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have been able to put that one in. Right. And of course, or, it, or at least felt as good about it, right? And it had cocaine in it, of course. Right. 1912. Give you that buzz. <laughs> Give you the buzz. 1912, Paramount Pictures is founded. Oh, fun. 1959, Little Caesars Pizza is founded. Oh, interesting. What, 1959? 1959. And they're still around. Little we don't Caesars. have any here, yeah. Yeah. right? But yeah, okay. Do we have one here? No, I don't, uh, I don't know. See, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I, we don't I, eat it. Obviously, we're not I mean, ordering I used to. It. I remember, I mean, you know, like Blockbuster and Little Caesars went yeah, hand I mean, in hand. Sahara, Fort George. Right, right. We had lots. But uh, Mr. Fultano's. Yep, so, Papa Murphy's, yeah, everything. I, 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 that was like, what, I don't know. If there is, I'm not ordering from them, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, 1976. The theme song from a certain TV show is the number one song in America. Oh, interesting. Can you guess it? 1976. The number one song in America. The number one song in America. I have no idea. Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, interesting. It is a good song. But it made the top 
That's a number one song okay. in America. Okay. And and here's a little pitch. I would come in at two in the morning to do a show. TV tunes. Oh. I love TV tune. <laughs> TV theme songs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be all themed somehow. And I mean, I would explain it, but right. you know, maybe these are all cop shows or maybe they're all shows with numbers in them or all shows about workplaces or something like that. But and we'd actually listen to the whole song. Oh, yeah, right? of course. So, so that would, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Okay. And I would come in at any hour to do it. <laughs> are you listening, fun. KMUN? Yeah. Uh, let's see. 1987, Gary Hart quits the U.S. Democratic presidential race due to an affair with Donna Rice. Oh, such a simpler time. <laughs> Can you hear me rolling my eyes over here? I, I could. <laughs> so, and, and I don't get it. What I don't get about Gary Hart is, I'm not doing anything wrong. Follow me around. Go ahead. And then you go and meet Donna Rice on the ship, monkey business. Of all things, you didn't see the irony in inviting the press to follow you and then meeting the person you're having an affair with on a, on a boat called monkey business. <laughs> You didn't see this one coming. Right. It's a good thing you didn't become president when you don't see that coming. <laughs> All right. Um, enough politics. But our history highlight today, I think, I think, had the most impact on history. 1945, Victory in Europe Day is celebrated oh. in the U.S. and Britain. V.E. Yes. Day. Yes. Now, we still got, you know, a whole bunch of fighting still due in the Pacific. But Victory in Europe. Yep. It's over. It's over, folks. It's exciting. It is exciting. It was a big day. Yep. So. Anything I miss? No. You know, I, I looked. I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. But, you know, I, ha- I have something new. Oh. It's historical words Ooh. that we should bring back into daily use. Oh, I like this. So I'm just going to bring up and, one. And I'm totally unprepared for this. So I know. This is exciting. So the first one she that I. She didn't tell me she the was The first doing one this. I picked, because there's, there's so many. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because once I started looking, and I, and I did look back like to like old, old, right? Not mm-hmm. just like 20 years ago. Yes. Fudgel. Fudgel. Definition. Oh, I, I thought you were going to make me try to guess. <laughs> what would you like Because I love fudgesicles. <laughs> fudgel means... Fudgel. To mess something up. Uh, well, no, not really. Okay. It means pretending to work without actually accomplishing anything. Oh, I like that. Isn't that a good one? <laughs> I mean, I, I see myself now using this at home with my husband. Yes. Or, or the kids when you give them chores or something. <laughs> Using it in a sentence. Gilbert spent Friday afternoon fudgling at his desk while counting down the hours until the weekend. <laughs> fudgling. 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 Right. I like that. So there we so, go. So one of my favorite historical words that almost is never used anymore is sagacity. Ooh, I like that yeah, one. Yeah, somebody has the sagaciousness and it's like, you know, it's, it's this... Almost like veracity. Uh, yes, yes. And it was Sagacity. used a lot in the 1800s. Okay. And at my, the first museum I worked in, Old Cowtown Museum in Wichita, Kansas, uh, the new director was starting a magazine, kind of like our Cumtucks, and uh, he, he named it Sagacity. Oh, interesting. And he let the staff vote. And it was a staff of 30, and it was 29 to 1, because we all knew he wanted it. He made it very <laughs> clear. And even though there was like 20 choices on the table... And everyone was shocked that I was the one that voted against it. Oh, and I said, because it's stupid. Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> and worse, people are going to look at it and go, Saga City? Oh, because that's how it's spelled. And sure enough, one of the board members, who was a PhD history professor at Wichita State University, came in and said, Saga City? That's not bad. 
Oh. And I looked at the director because he was shocked that I had voted against. He's like, you of all people, you know, you're my assistant, basically. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not going to work. Oh, my gosh. But, but because I met, I kind of made fun of it, I had other colleagues and friends that would fax me because this is how long ago this was. Anytime they saw like in a diary or a journal from the time period or a newspaper, oh, the word sagacity, they'd highlight it and send it to me. Okay. So, so I have this huge collection of sagacity being used. And now we're going to look for fudgel. Yeah, fudgel. As we fudgel our day along so, excellent well somebody who was not fludgling yes uh was a guy named george vancouver that we just mentioned yep that on this date in 1792 he cites and names mount rainier washington okay and for loyal listeners you might know that robert gray claims to have discovered the columbia river that he was the first uh European, he was American, but the first uh, uh, person from not local indigenous to come into the river, right. Columbia River. And George Vancouver is the guy that comes in right afterwards and maps everything and names everything. That's why we have a lot of British named things in the region. Right. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about George Vancouver and who he was. Let's do it. So George Vancouver was an important explorer of Puget Sound. He served for 25 years in the British Navy and commanded the 1791 to 1792 British expedition to the Pacific Northwest, Pacific, the North Pacific. In April 1792, George Vancouver entered the Strait of Juan de Fuca, Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. And commenced his exploration of Puget Sound. His, he named every island, mountain, waterway, and point of uh, land in sight, 75 in all. And then also the Columbia River, of course. Vancouver was the youngest of five children in a well-to-do family from Kings Lynn, Norfolk, England. In 1771, at the age of 13, Vancouver entered the Royal Navy as a young gentleman. I kind of <laughs> love that. 13, though. Isn't that just amazing? It's so young. A future candidate for midshipmen. He was nominally an able seaman, but in reality sailed as one of the midshipmen aboard the HMS Resolution on James Cook's oh. second voyage, 72 to 75, searching for uh, Terra Australis. He also sailed with Cook's third voyage, 76 to 80, this time aboard Resolution's companion ship, the HMS Discovery, and was present during the first European sighting and exploration of the Hawaiian Islands. Wow. Of course, they called them the Sandwich Islands. <laughs> In 18, in October 1780, after passing his exam, he received a lieutenant's commission and was posted aboard the sloop HMS Martin. Initially on escort and patrol duty in the English Channel and North Sea, he accompanied the ship when it left Plymouth on a February 11th, 1782, for the West Indies. On May 7th, 1782, he was appointed fourth lieutenant of the 74-gun ship of the line HMS Fame, which was at the time part of the British West Indies fleet and assigned to patrolling the French-held Leeward Islands. Vancouver subsequently saw action at the Battle of the Saints, wherein he distinguished himself. Vancouver returned to England in June of 1783. In the late 1780s, the Spanish Empire commissioned an expedition to the Pacific Northwest. In 1789, the Nootka Crisis developed, and Spain and Britain came close to war over ownership of Nootka Sound on contemporary Vancouver Island, and of greater importance over the right to colonize and settle the Pacific Northwest coast. Henry Roberts had recently taken command of the survey ship HMS Discovery, a new vessel named in honor of the ship on Cook's voyage, with the prospect of another round-the-world voyage, and Robert selected Vancouver as his first lieutenant, but they both were then posted to other warships due to the crisis. Vancouver went with Joseph Whidbey to the 74-gun ship of the line HMS Kuro when the first Nootka Convention ended the crisis in 1790. 
Vancouver was given command of the discovery to take possession of Nootka Sound and to survey the coasts. You know, it always makes me laugh that people don't quite realize, like, this land was, this region of the United States and Canada were so up for grabs, and there were all these world powers. Uh, You know, we think of of Spain just being down in Mexico, but California, San Francisco, they were coming up the coast. You had the Russians uh, in Alaska. You had the British. You you had us. I mean, just there were all these competing interests. And then so much water, too, up (laughs) in that, I mean, up in those channels, too. I mean, vast, vast areas. Shortly after his ship and the uh, Chatham, Captained by his second-in-command, Lieutenant William Broughton, who is also an interesting guy that was alive until 1821, departed on their exploring expedition to the North Pacific. In April 1792, George Vancouver entered the Strait of Juan de Fuco and commenced his exploration of Puget Sound. He named every island, mountain, waterway, and point of land in sight, including (laughs) previously recorded Spanish landmarks. Ooh. You know, because even though they might have gotten their first name stuff... We're using our maps. We're going to name stuff on our maps. That's so interesting. Uh, In May, Lieutenant Peter Puget, under Vancouver's orders, explored more remote western channels, while Vancouver surveyed south of Bainbridge Island's Restoration Point. George Vancouver's 1792 investigations of Puget Sound and environs were for the purpose of seeking scientific and commercial information. His principal assignment, however, was to arrange meetings with Spanish representatives in Nootka Sound on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Vestiges of the search for the mythical Northwest Passage were also woven into his orders, i.e. to acquire information with respect to the nature and extent of water communication between the northwest coast of America and the country on the opposite side of the continent. I like the vagueness of the country on the opposite side. Whatever that country might be. You know, if we happen to have another war or something, War of 1812, you know, perhaps it'll be a different country. Right, we want this space. But Vancouver's assignment was complicated. After examining the shorelines and islands that Captain Cook missed in 1778, he was to calm matters with Spain, which had a long-standing claim to Nootka Sound and its general surroundings. This delicate issue had been exacerbated by the 1788 visit of adventure and retired British Navy Lieutenant John Mears. Mears named the Strait of Juan de Fuca Shoalwater, Willapa Bay, and just missed the Columbia River. Mears also established a trading point or trading post at Nootka Sound, which nearly precipitated a war with Spain. Captain Vancouver had therefore been asked by the Board of Admiralty to engage the Spanish in diplomatic talks. George Vancouver was the first recorded European to enter Puget Sound above the entrance to Admiralty Inlet. He soon met Captain Robert Gray, we all know that name, of the ship Columbia Redivia, who told him that he, Gray, had discovered the Columbia River. He had named it after his ship. Mm. Vancouver did not believe this information, (laughs) but he changed his mind. Broughton, uh, who in the Chatham crossed the Columbia Bar a month after Gray, had confirmed that he had heard of Gray's previous visit. The Columbia River issue had far-reaching implications, including the strengthening of America's claim to Oregon. And that's one of the reasons we make a big deal about Robert Gray was an American. He was a a fur trader out of uh, Boston, Mm -hmm. and that he was first. Um, There is some debate. Now, Robert Gray probably was the first guy in because that's one of the things uh, that it's it's mentioning here is Broughton hears from some of the Native Americans about, oh, we saw another ship uh, that came in. So there's there's some pretty good oral history, but his descriptions weren't as great as what Broughton and, uh, and Vancouver make later right. with their mapping and everything else. So you know, maybe it was foggy. We don't know. But 
Or great, just didn't great, have the skills. Gray's information so, right? is yeah. not as great as what Vancouver and Brown create. Interesting. So after dropping anchor in 210 feet of water in mid-channel between Blake Island and Bainbridge Island on May 19, 1792, Vancouver began giving names to every prominence and waterway within view, including Mount Baker, the 10,778-foot volcanic peak east of Bellingham was named after his third lieutenant, Joseph Baker. Mount Rainier, 14,110 feet, honored his friend, Rear Admiral Peter Rainier. Port Townsend took its name for from the Marquis of Townsend. Uh, Townsend, right? Townsend. Yeah. Hood's Canal was named for Right Honorable Lord Hood. Marrowstone Point for the island's alleged deposits of Marrowstone. Whidbey Island honored the master of the discovery, Joseph Whidbey. Vashon Island was named for Vancouver's friend and colleague, Captain James Vashon. Restoration Point was first called Village Point for a Native American settlement, then changed to honor the anniversary of the restoration to the English throne of the Stuart monarch, Charles II. Restoration Point, which looks across the sound at today's King County, served as Vancouver's Puget Sound headquarters. It kind of makes me laugh. At some point, don't you think, like, the cook is like, okay, what's the deal? Don't I get something named after me? Well, and it's like every white man, like... (laughs) around you you just like turn your head and you're like oh no yeah there were no women on that list right and i didn't i haven't even really thought about well then interesting too that that village point for a native american settlement but then changed to honor the english throw it's like well in village not even naming like the name of the chief or the name of the 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 tribe or the nation or anything like that just village whoever's there's a village there i'm happy (laughs) with you today with some people that are there Uh, let's see. Vancouver entrusted the surveying of the waters immediately to the west of Restoration Point to his clerk, H.M. Orchard, hence the, the name Port Orchard there we go. near Bremerton. <laughs> Ensuring that his patrons, the Board of Admiralty, were remembered, he named the north part of this great body of water Admiralty Inlet. He called the southern portion everything south of today's Tacoma and Puget Sounds in honor of his valued lieutenant, Peter Puget. In Va- I like that name, Peter Puget. It's yeah. fun to say. <laughs> Uh, in Vancouver's words, to commemorate Mr. Puget's exertions, the south extremity of it, I named Puget Sound. Over time, despite the name Admiralty Inlet, on government charts, the entire island uh, inland sea is generally but incorrectly called Puget Sound. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I mean, that is where it gets tricky because you yeah. s- technically still have one body of water, yes. <laughs> right? The Pacific Ocean that's going in. Um, this the, is why you and I are not map makers. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the weather was warm during Vancouver's brief visit, more than 90 degrees in the month of May. So men aboard the Discovery saw King County, Admiral Lee, Inlet and Puget Sound in all its shimmering, verdant glory. Vancouver described the area in glowing terms in his log, then weighed anchor and sailed north to negotiate with the Spanish at Nootka Sound. Captain Vancouver's Spanish counterpart to the north, Señor Don Juan Francisco de la Bodega y Cuadra, was born in Lima, Peru. Wow, that was well pronounced. Probably not, but close enough. Um, Quadra was, from virtually all contemporary descriptions, a born leader and gentleman of the old school. Vancouver and Quadra got along famously sharing stories and festive dinners on silver plate. Although they became close friends, they could not agree on what to do about the little fort, Mir's little fort, and claim to Nootka Sound. Oh, Mir, what have you done creating an outpost <laughs> there? Vancouver suggested that England receive possession of Nootka sure. and Clayquot, <laughs> and that Nea Bay be considered a free port for both nations. 
quadrupolitely disagreed. What they did agree on was a name for the large island upon which their uh, discussions took place, amicably called Quadra and Vancouver's Island. <laughs> Time and the eventual domination of British and Canadians caused the Quadra portion to disappear. Poor Quadra. Of course. Uh, later life, impressed by the view from Richmond Hill, Vancouver retired to Petersham, London. Vancouver faced difficulties when he returned home to England. The accomplished and politically well-connected naturalist Archibald Menzies complained that his servant had been pressed into service during a shipboard emergency. Sailing master Joseph Whidbey had a, a competing claim for pay as an expedition astronomer. And Thomas Pitt, second Baron Camelford, whom Vancouver had disciplined for numerous infractions and eventually sent home in disgrace, proceeded to harass him publicly and privately. Pitt's allies, including his cousin, Prime Minister William Pitt the Younger, attacked Vancouver in the press. Thomas Pitt took a more direct approach. On August 29, 1796, he sent Vancouver a letter heaping many insults on the head of his former captain and challenging him to a duel. Vancouver gravely replied that he was unable in a private capacity to answer for his public conduct in his official duty. That's a good line. I like that. And offered instead to submit to formal examination by flag officers. Pitt chose instead to stalk Vancouver, ultimately (laughs) assaulting him on a London street corner. The terms of their subsequent legal dispute required both parties to keep the peace, but nothing stopped Vancouver's civilian brother, Charles, from interposing and giving Pitt blow after blow Hmm. until onlookers restrained the attacker. Charges and countercharges flew in the press, with the wealthy Camelford faction having the greater firepower until Vancouver, ailing from his long naval service, died. Oh, That's kind of sad. Vancouver, at one time among Britain's greatest explorers and navigators, did die in obscurity on May 10th, 1798, at the age of 40, less than three years after completing his voyages and expeditions. No official cause of death was stated as the medical records pertaining to Vancouver were destroyed. One doctor named John Nash claimed Vancouver died from kidney failures, while others believed it was a hyperthyroid condition. Although various opinions concerning George Vancouver's persist, his contemporaries and more recent scholars generally give him high marks as a diligent, thorough, strict skipper. Exceptions to this view were his ship's surgeon and botanist, Archibald Menzies, and several of his subordinates. Skilled in his job, Vancouver could be irascible, quarrelsome, and unreasonable in his disciplinary actions. Edmund S. Meany in Vancouver's discovery of Puget Sound writes, quote, Vancouver's observation of the soil, the climate, the trees, flowers, and birds are surprising when one remembers the newness of all to members of the party. Especially valuable and interesting are the recorded observations of the Native Americans. Their houses, canoes, weapons, clothing, food, and language all were commented upon in a way that will always prove to help to the student of these Aboriginal peoples. See, I think that's a nice little... Like, yeah. okay, you might have been mean to your surgeon or maybe too much of a disciplinarian for some right. some people who are shirking in their duties or, as some people like to say, flood, flood, fudgling. 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 <laughs> fudgling. I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce that until I see it right But it's hard out. to have both of those skills too, right? I mean, to yes. be, or, or those are multiple skills, being that leader, the sort of the manager, but also the map maker, maker the person there that's yes. that's taking note and being that original sort of historian. And I have to always give some respect when they're actually curious about the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. and not just writing, hey, there were these savages or something terrible, that they actually like want to learn a little bit about their culture and here's the clothes they're wearing and here's the tools they're using. Right. I mean, that to me, there's a lot of, a couple of the members of the Aster Party that the same thing happens where they actually go to the Willamette Valley and they're actually interacting and, and trying to learn a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that, it especially is. when they write it down. That's true. So, so, you know, one very important thing that happened today what? that I have not mentioned yet, it's oh, Mark's is. birthday. <gasps> well, happy birthday. Yeah. So happy birthday to my husband. I'm, At least 29. Right. I'm not going <laughs> to say how old he is. Um, our children always remind us how old we are. And in fact, my daughter, even my eight-year-old said she told the entire class that she had the oldest dad <laughs> of all the kids in the class. And you know what? She was very proud <laughs> So I loved it. <laughs> you let it go. <laughs> and also love it that I'm younger than him. So. And, that, well, and that probably made him feel a little bit old. Yeah. <laughs> well, happy birthday. But That's yes, great. we love you, Mark. Happy birthday. And thank you to all of you for listening. Check out our podcast on KMUN.org. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.